Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business, and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Forbes Factor. This is where we focus on health, wealth, and happiness. It's a program that I've had on for almost a decade with an amazing team down in Arizona. Today, we're doing a little bit of a different format. I've actually popped into one of my dear friends, Mastermind. So you're going to hear her interview me a little bit, which that never happens on our show, which is cool. And then you will meet her, hear all about events, and then especially if you're on our Facebook group. Danella, where, where is your Facebook group? We'll drive you some traffic. So we want everyone to go to Visibility by Speakers Need to Speak. Uh, right now, we did this very, very quick. This is broadcasting live on my personal page. Right, crazy. So huh? that we're on our personal page. We're on radio. We're here with Forbes. We're in our mastermind. Like, we're literally everywhere right now. But we will rebroadcast this and share this on our Visibility by Speakers Need to Speak group as well. And I love that. So uh, it's a very unusual, exciting opportunity to hear something new. So Danella, I'm going to throw it over to you. We're going to start with, I walked into this room of amazing looking people. There's one man here who's smiling from ear to ear because there's a lot of good looking women here. Tell me what your mastermind focuses on. So this is our weekly Speakers Need to Speak. Uh, We have about 140 members in our community, but once a week, we come together for them to ask me anything about the speaking and event world. And then the second hour, we bring in an expert. So I was bringing in Forbes today to talk to our group live and shared in our group about how she has gotten so successful with the pitch and radio and acting and from infomercials, how speaking has literally been a through line in her illustrious career and how she could share some knowledge with our group. And it was the same time as her radio show. So what do you know? We put our heads together. We got creative. And so our group are speakers. They're experts. uh, They're looking to make an impact in the world one message at a time on the stages around the world. Well, I love that. And, you know, you and I met because, so you just know a little bit about Danella, is that she does run some of the biggest stages in the country. And if you are a speaker, author, coach, which is my audience is, I'm then going to ask her some questions as well. My audience never gets to hear me interviewed, which is kind of exciting, I thought, right? Who is Forbes Riley? And very often, probably once a month, I will just teach a lesson in my podcast. And that's now been the most listened to shows, second to the cast of a movie that I'm in. You guys, I'm in a movie called Farm to Fork to Love on Amazon Prime right now. And as I couldn't find anything to watch last night, trust me, this is at least a wildly watchable, fun, romantic comedy. And I co-star in it. So that's cool. Uh, That show is very well listened to. But I'm finding that people want to hear what I have to teach. And we'll get into that a little bit about you and your message and sharing on platforms now where we never had these opportunities growing up. It's so exciting to me. So, Danelle, I'm going to let you start. Okay, great. So normally I would give a great introduction to Forbes. Now I did tell my team and and my community that's here a little bit about Forbes. And of course, those of you that are here listening to her show, you know, you've already fallen in love with Forbes. I mean, she is one of the most prolific speakers 
in the speaking and events industry that I'm in, but she's grown up on TV, infomercials. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but literally millions, billions of dollars have come from Forbes and infomercials. She, her impact on the health and wellness industry and being seen on television and products, the industry was literally changed by this woman. And she's just a lot of fun as well. I love connecting with Forbes. She brings a great message, great knowledge, and a great personality to any stage that she's on. So I told some of my community about her and that we were going to find out what we really love to know from you, Forbes, is you've seen so much change in the industry and you were a trailblazer. You know, there were not opportunities like there are now. You really had to create those. You were with Jack Lane um, doing infomercials when we didn't even know what those were. What were some of those early days like when you really were creating the industry that we know now? Well, I will start out by saying I am turning 62 years old this year. And so when I say I'm a pioneer in the industry, it's not a joke. I was there when there was no industry. And that's very exciting now to bring to light some of the impact that I had because there was no social media back then. And I, I throw out some links if you guys want to write some of them in the chat. But a thing called, if you go to YouTube, you can spend about the next 12 years watching all my videos. It's almost a million videos. Uh, I know it's funny, right? But back in the, in the 1980s, there was none of this. Back in the 1980s, there was like 10 channels, two, four, and seven, ABC, NBC, CBS were the big ones. PBS came on and that was a big deal. And then one day this thing called cable happened and we all laughed and said, oh, there's gonna be 500 channels. We're like, yeah, that's never gonna happen. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Can I go back to how old I really am? In 1969, anybody alive, I watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. First live streaming broadcast ever that I really watched in black and white. And back then people had children because we had to go up and change the channel manually before remotes. That's why you had more than one. <laughs> And so I watched color TV come in and I watched able to start. And at that time I decided I was not going to be a lawyer in college for a lot of reasons. I wanted to be an actress. I've always wanted to be an actress. I just wasn't pretty enough. Wasn't this enough. Wasn't that enough. Wasn't connected. And when you have a dream that you tell people that's too big, they tell you all the reasons you can't do it because they didn't do it. And the funny thing about the course of my life, and I love telling this as though it's a product, as though it's a story. Because as a little kid, I was kind of cute till about eight years old. I got hit in the face and I had a badly broken nose growing up for like, it was horrible. Like it was weird looking. And I had an odd cleft. So I got put in braces when I was eight years old. You take a little kid who's eight years old and stick her in a full railroad tracks of silver braces with the rubber band, with the headgear. And then when I was 10, they put in a tongue thruster. And so for two years, I talked like this, which means I couldn't communicate with people. Because I know, right? So it was bad enough. Now I am this very smart, aggressive little girl, but I'm ugly as sin and I can't talk. So my communication skills were very hampered. And I learned to dream. I learned to watch television and movies and want to be those people. And I wanted to be James Bond. I want, and I really set out, that's one of the biggest wants that materialized in my 20s, where I got to snow ski, water ski, live over in Monaco, and actually work as an undercover spy. Because I wanted to, because I dreamed those things. It was the craziest, like, how did you create that? I just wanted to. And so when I was 14, 15 years old, my dad, who was an inventor, a magician, and an engineer, who didn't graduate college, by the way, he just knew how things worked. He slipped. And by the way, as I say that, can I just reference something? 
George Washington didn't go to college. Benjamin Franklin didn't go to college. I, Edison and Einstein, I don't, there was no college back then. Where are they going to go? So the fact that my dad could do what he did is not remarkable back then, but nowadays you need a college degree to do that, or do you? And he slipped one day into a machine and cut the front of his hand off. It was horrible. He spent three years in the hospital, 15 different operations. And if my parents didn't have any money to start with, we didn't have any money to end with either. And I learned a lot of the lessons that shaped exactly who I am nowadays. One, I knew that people lived differently than we did. We had a very small little one bedroom, well, three bedroom house, but it was very small. Uh, it was like a, a thousand square feet. And my dad's hospital room overlooked the only mansion in my town. And I would go there night after night and I'd look at this giant red brick house with two chimneys and a, uh, a what did you call it, a U-shaped driveway and these giant cypress trees. And I thought, what is it like to be, have Christmas in their house? There's a chimney that Santa can come down. We don't have one of those. Santa snuck through the front door. I don't know how we got it in the house. And I started to formulate, and all the movies that I'd watched going, well, where are people living that life? And that was a really interesting seed that I've carried with me my entire life. And so my mom then said to me, about a year into this thing in the hospital, we have no money for college. We can't pay for anything. And then she said, but there's this pageant. And my mother and I looked at each other because it was a beauty pageant. It was like, yeah, no. <laughs> and the funny thing about that moment, no, I was really ugly. I'll share a picture with you. It's not good. My dad's doctor overheard the conversation. So my mantra in life is dream it, believe it, achieve it. So to dream it is for free. Dreaming was all those years I spent in front of the television or reading books or being in, just dreaming. Believing it is articulating it out to other people. I want to start a digital marketing company. I want to be a millionaire, whatever it is you want. And so my dad's doctor turned to us and said, I'll fix her nose for you for free. And he did. And overnight, I went from being an ugly, awkward, goofy little girl with an upside down frown whenever I look at my pictures to really cute. It's amazing what this thing in the middle of your face will do to the size of your eyes. It just changed everything. And I entered this competition and I didn't enter it because I thought I was pretty. I thought I entered because I needed to prove my parents right, that their life meant something. I mean, it was a very emotional thing. My dad drove me to this first meeting, this audition with 500 girls and I, with his hand all bandaged. And I said, I'm 16. One of these girls is going to be on NBC television with Bob Hope. It's going to be me. It was three weeks of auditioning. I don't even know what caused me to say that, but it was the first time in my life I manifested something because it ended up being me. And I won the local pageant and hand-me-down bridesmaids dress. And I got to the national, I mean, I was Miss Teenage New York there in Tulsa, Oklahoma with Bob Hope on TV. And it was the worst week of my life, bar none. I come from New York, so I'm like used to talking like this, right? And all the girls in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had prepped their whole lives for competitions. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you doing? You have the funniest accent I ever heard. I'm like, I don't have a freaking accent. It was a nightmare upon, I mean, I was literally, you want to, prejudiced, hurt. It was a weird, it was a weird week that caused me to be the amazing person that I think I am today. And I say that not conceited, but if you've been through some really bad things in your life, you earn your stripes. You earn the right to say certain things. I raised a little black kid from South Central Los Angeles. He came into my life when he was eight years old. For 12 years, Dexter and I and, and my ex-husband worked to create whatever world we could for him not ch to change his thought process because him and his real mom still lived in South Central. And he was murdered right after I gave birth to my kids. He was walking from a haircut to church, 
six months after I gave birth to my twins, minding his own business, wearing blue. And some kid who grew up in the same neighborhood as he did wanted to get into a gang and shot my son 10 times in the back and left him for dead on the sidewalk. I have the right to speak about certain things now because I lived what a lot of America is now waking up to about the difference in black and white and how both sides and whatever sides, it doesn't matter, no one's right. But Dexter never lived to see a black man be president of the United States. That's crazy if you think about it because not a woman has held that seat, right? And here I am telling my little boy that you can do this. And he's like, nah, and I'm like, no. Nah. So I've, I've been gifted a lot of lessons. They haven't always been very pretty. The most of them have been very painful. But from that, you learn a lot. I went off to be an actress. I decided that that was just an interesting calling. And I got the lead in my very first movie called Splatter University, which you can find on YouTube. And it was adorable, it was wonderful. It was before I changed my name, it was before I got, it was before a lot of things. And I was, it was, so it was a splatter movie, right? I'm this real well-trained actress. And I'll tell you what, 30 years later, I'm very proud of what I did, of what I created, and that it's got its own Facebook page and its own audience. And then I continued to go through a lot. I went through a lot that had to do with my weight. My mom was 260 pounds. I struggled with my weight my whole freaking life. And why do you think I'm in the fitness hall of fame now and I create fitness products? Because I just got hurt enough that I wanted to make a difference for other people. And I attended, an, uh, I went to an audition. You do that a lot. Think about this. Leonardo DiCaprio was in a cheesy little sitcom, right? One day he walks into an audition for the lead in a movie called Titanic, which nobody thought was going to go anywhere. And then even when it was in production for two years, it was so over budget, it was bound. Plus, who, who creates a movie where you know the end? The boat sinks, right? Why am I going to go to this movie? So everyone thought the entire project was stupid. He got the lead role. And who knew that that would change the entire course of his career? And of so many people involved with that, right? Right. Well, that's what happened with me. I walked into a blank studio. There was a camera and there was a pen sitting on a desk. And I said, sell me this pen. And I don't want to be sold. I don't like selling. And so I thought it was a joke. So I said, here's the deal. My mom, when I was in college, she used to write me longhand notes every morning. I'd run to the mailbox and get them because I was 16 when I got to college. And I realized a simple pen like this can reach out and touch somebody's heart. Well, Body by Jake, come, I don't know if you can know who he was, Jake Seinfeld, comes out of behind the camera, grabs my face and says, you're going to make me a lot of money. And I'm like, okay. So cable TV had started. He created a network called the Cable Health Club, which morphed into Fit TV. And it was all about pitching health and fitness products. Before QVC and HSN, there was no home shopping. And I had a really weird instinct and an ability. I can pitch anything, anytime, anywhere. I mean, people take their credit card out of their pocket. By the way, Danella mentioned I've done 194 infomercials and grossed over $2.5 billion. It's a weird skill, right? And everyone who came to our network who had a product, including Suzanne Summers and Tony Little and George Foreman, all came to, to have me create their pitch, they could sell it on television. Jake sold the network to Fox for $500 million in 1993. Wow. And then infomercials were born. What the heck's an infomercial? A 30, who's going to watch a 30-minute commercial? Think how stupid this pitch was, right? Ever do that? Like the first time you saw an infomercial, you, you go, oh, 30-second commercial. And it's going, and it's going, and it, why is it still going? Is it a TV show? No, it's an infomercial. And often it was in the middle of the night when most people would say, you can't sell anything at 2 a.m. Tell you something, I used to make millions of dollars at 2 a.m. And so all of a sudden, well, who are you going to have host this? Let's go to that girl who started selling fitness products on television. And I hosted the first 35 infomercials ever done. 
And I met people who are now the people on Shark Tank, like Kevin Harrington and Damon John and Billy Mays and Anthony Sullivan. I go down the list. There were no girls in that industry at all. And I started out being the cute little sidekick to some guy, to Jack LaLanne, to Billy Mays, to all of these guys, Mario Lopez. I can go down the list. And it wasn't about me. It wasn't my show. But I was the one who would sell it, pitch it, and close it. They were like the name. I did, I'm still doing that, by the way. The difference is one day I woke up and someone said, you know, you should put your name on a product. Now, the problem was I didn't have enough self-esteem to think I was worthy of putting my own name. Why would anyone listen to me? But at some point, I had sold more fitness products than all the people who were selling them combined. And that's how I got inducted into the National Fitness Hall of Fame. Not because I had the fittest body. In fact, for all my girls out here, oh my guys, my body was so unfit, like I could never get my, even though I was a dancer, I knew I just couldn't get my, my food thing together. Anyway, these girls come on in cute little bra tops, remember the little crock, with abs of steel. I created, if you go to YouTube and type in Fit TV, I created this jacket that covered my, my butt and covered my abs because I didn't want anyone to even focus on that, just focus on this. This is where I make my money. And these cute little girls would come on and they would go, okay, so all my kids, and I don't mean to make fun of cute little girls, but because I'm 60, screw it, I can do anything I want. And so they would come on and they'd be like, okay, so like we have an ad product. What do I say? Oh, okay, okay. So you sit on this product and you, and I'm like, okay, here's what you do. The product folds up. You can store it anywhere. It works on blah, 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 blah. You never have to go to the gym again. I gave her all the pitch points. And one day it dawned on me because all I wanted to be when I was little was pretty. That pretty wasn't what was making the money in my world. It was the pitch. It was being confident. It was knowing your product. And it took me a long time to get out of the I want to be pretty thing because that's all I wanted for a long time. I wanted to be skinny. I wanted, and things that were just bizarre things, right? That's weird for someone to admit that. But now that I'm at this age and this point in my life, it's okay to want things that seem silly to other people. You can want whatever you want. If you want a red convertible, who's to tell you no? You don't have to be the world's greatest person. You don't have to be, I just want to help people. No, help people, but make money. Because yeah. the making money thing, I met a lot of people, I don't need to make money. Yes, you do. You do because even if you have enough of it, give it to other people. Start a foundation. Now money does a lot of things. And when you are helping people, Zig Ziglar said this, if you help enough people get what they want, they will give you what you want. And so that's just a little piece of the trail that I blazed for my career. And I'll tell you what was really interesting. I didn't know I was doing any of this. I was just showing up and working. I was going to bed at night being lonely and unhappy. I was wondering how come my parents both died at 70 and my little boy got murdered and life sucks. And I had two little babies at some point. I didn't even know, I, mean, I had twins and I'm still working. They were, I didn't have a role model. And I looked long and hard for someone to help me understand. And I didn't know, this is something nobody knows. Wanna hear who was my first role model? <laughs> this is weird. I did an infomercial. I'm gonna start to cry, I'm feeling very emotional. I did an infomercial with Bruce Jenner in uh, like 17 years ago for a vitamin. And he brought me to his house. I said, I'd like you to meet my wife and my kids. Now, today we know all of those kids, but back then we didn't. Now, if you go to YouTube and you type in Forbes Riley and Kim Kardashian, you will see that that little girl started her career doing an infomercial for me. Nobody seems to know this. I didn't make a big deal about it. And I was looking at how Chris was raising her kids. She was so organized that I interviewed her because I said, I'm gonna write a book about this because I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't have any mom, family, and aunts and uncles. I'm not sure what you do if your, your star, your fame star is rising. You're busy all the time. And at that moment, 
Anderson Cooper's brother, Gloria Vanderbilt's son, jumped out of a window in front of his mother and killed himself. And I thought, so you're telling me that even if you're a rich and famous mom, your kids could end up crappy? And I set out to write a book called Being Mom. And Chris was the first woman I ever interviewed. How crazy is that? The book never got published. I never, I never finished the book. I didn't think anybody wanted to hear about it. Funny me, right? And I have all of these principles that Chris raised her kids on. And then I interviewed another mom, Florence Henderson, right? The Brady Bunch mom. She's the youngest of 12. She has four kids of her own and five that we all, or six that we all know about. And I got all this advice and Florence and I became really good friends. And then I was on a roll. I said, I think this is going to be a great book. I interviewed Shirley Jones. Oh my God, I got to meet David Cassidy's mom, which for me, if you're in this, this is a great thing, right? Now, here's what's crazy about that. I wrote the first three chapters. I had the whole outline for the book. I was going to interview Judge Judy because she was very successful at the time. Uh, Barbara Boxer was our state senator who had two kids that I knew. And the goal was to interview celebrity moms who had kids over 15, 16, who didn't have drug use problems or just became good kids. And I took this book to my manager. Now, this is an interesting thing, guys. My manager was a man. And I'm going to say that I don't know that men and women think the same way. Is that fair to say? That we're just, I think that's very fair. <laughs> right. Not better or worse, just different. Now, how do I know that we're different? Ask any man to take out what they hold their money in. If you all are married or have a son, or they take out this little tiny wallet, right? They all do. Ladies, how big is your pocketbook? I mean, seriously, we don't leave the house without a suitcase. I would never leave the house with a wallet, with a credit. I, just, I can't. I have to have the keys. And we could, and men and women are different. That's the, that's the most obvious difference between us, right? The pocketbook. Okay. So I bring this book to him, and I'm so excited about it. And I'm still, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, and I'm a little nervous. I've written this thing, and I'm like, hey. And he said, what are you doing? I'm like, I wrote my first book, or at least the idea for the book. He said, your platform is not being mom. You're the infomercial host. Your, your first book should be been there, sold that, the secrets of the $2 billion host. And I got a little upset and I took that and I stuck it in a drawer. And I never took it out, even when Kim became, or Chris became famous, because it, it really hurt, it was weird. Why did I listen to somebody or empower them to squish my dreams? But I did. And I've done that a lot. Here's the second time that happened. I then found a ghostwriter to work with who was a little overweight like I was, and she became a fan of mine. And we wrote this book called Been There, Sold That, Secrets of the $2 Billion Host. I love the first chapter of this book. This is also something, Danella, no one's ever heard before. The first paragraph of the book starts out, what do Francine Forbes and Tom Mouthpother have in common? Well, they both used to sit on their manager's couch, Toby Gibson in New York City back in the early, early 80s dreaming of being Hollywood stars. Both would go on to star in projects that grossed more than $350 million. One would change their name to Tom Cruise. The other would change her name to Forbes Riley. Oh my God. That's the beginning chapter of the book. That's kind of cool, right? So my ghostwriter takes it to her agent and her agent says, this is ridiculous. Who, who knows what this Forbes Riley is? I just want a book about infomercials. And I put it in the drawer. I still have that in the drawer. And I've had a lot of those stories along the way. What I'm doing now in my 60s is I've opened the drawer and said, oh, you got some really good stuff there. You better. <laughs> Guys, it's taken me a long time to figure out, even though I did all the things that I did, 
for me personally to put it together and have my own life make sense. I'm not married to the father of my kids anymore. We divorced, which is unfortunate because loved him very much, but we're business partners. And technically we're not divorced yet, which everyone reminds me of. It's an interesting question. Well, marriage and divorce are crazy. You can go down to Las Vegas and get married, but harder to get divorced. We built an empire and a life together, but we're both now living separately and I'm engaged to somebody else. Go figure, right? I can't legally marry my man. He can't marry his girl unless we do that legal thing. But we haven't yet because, because, and I don't know many people have done this, but maybe I'm starting a new trend. We have an office building together, his new girlfriend, their new kids, my, wow, this should be a sitcom, right? And it should be a sitcom because my man, who I met at 57, have you ever seen Joshua Self? You know what, I, you have the ability to share, Danella. If you go to Instagram, yeah. I created a little vision board and on the board I said, I want someone who looks like he walked off the cover of a romance novel. Now let's get honest, at 57, how many of those are walking into your life, right? And I don't like bodybuilders. I mean, I work with them all the time, but bodybuilders, and I told my kids this, are people who are into food, fitness, and themselves. There's no time for you. Well, in walk Joshua, and here's the crazy thing too. I didn't go on Tinder. I didn't go to a bar I don't drink. I have a fitness product. I'm doing a video in a hotel room in Las Vegas with a videographer that I respect very much. And he says, hey, do you want a two-time Mr. Arnold fitness champion to come on over and help us? I'm like, okay. The door opens and there standing is probably the most beautiful human being I've ever seen. And he's standing next to another little fit girl and I don't pay any time. I'm like, congratulations, you're gonna go, yeah. we, 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 we do our fitness thing. And I leave. And plus he's 17 years younger, I'm not, okay. He then decides he's gonna start flirting with me on Instagram. He took a picture and said, I love this girl's energy. I'd like to do an infomercial with her one day. And we chat back and forth for three months. And at one point I'm like, dude, really? You found out I'm kind of famous and you want something, don't you? Because really, what are you doing? Well, I challenged him. He came out on his motorcycle, which I also don't like motorcycles, to California. Now there is a moment, and Danielle, you're gonna share your screen. When he took his helmet off, drove up in a motorcycle, it is the fantasy of every red-blooded boy or girl. I don't. I have a lot of men go, you know, I'm not gay, but I would do him. And I'm not kidding. There was a moment where he took off his helmet. He's a former Chippendale in a playroom. And I was like, oh, huh. And then I woke up and I said, wait, 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 what are you doing here? Now, the typical response from any guy that I've ever met would have been, yeah, well, you know, I kind of want to hang out. Get to... He looked at me, got down on one knee and he said, you know, he said, I'm not very spirit. I'm not religious but something told me that you need me. Five years later, I gotta tell you, I need him a lot. I created a space and I found what it means to love somebody. And a lot of people make fun of us. Oh, you're a cougar and he's up. Doesn't matter. I'm done with all of that. It took me a long time to, I don't care. I'm so proud of any woman and any man that finds someone to love them for real so are you showing his picture right now? Let me, I see this in the background. Yeah, I, I, I picked one. You guys are on the water and uh, Joshua, just, who is we just as beautiful on the inside as he is on the outside, but but we can appreciate his outside for the moment as we're telling this story about Joshua. Uh, he's absolutely an amazing, I mean, you got a, a diamond in a rough needle in the haystack. He is one of a kind, absolutely in love with you and smart and funny and 
right? He's a 3D graphic artist who I think is going to crush it in the metaverse. He's a videographer. So I own a TV studio. We work together and it's delight. I almost, almost just go, thank you. Thank you for all the, the crazy things I went through, which I'm going to share with you. I don't think everybody wins. I don't, my mom went through some really bad things and she never got the manifestation bug. She played small her whole life and died at 70, overweight, diabetic smoker who didn't like to leave her house in New York because the pipes might burst. So she never went to China like I did with my kids. She never went to a lot of places and played very, very small. But she did have a scrapbook of all the movie stars of her era and some autographs, but she, she wanted something that she was not willing to pay the price to get. And I think what was instilled in me was that you can want it all you want. You gotta pay the price. And it's not right for everybody. You don't need to work that hard. Life doesn't have to, you can just lead a very quiet life unless you're on this call, unless you're listening to my radio show. And I'll tell you why, because we are what's called the discontents. My sister, who became a hairdresser, married a whole town, hometown boy, loved her life, very happy. I don't care what you give me, I'm never gonna be happy. Doesn't matter. I got this, I want that. I sit on top of this mountain, I want that mountain. Are you like me? And it's not a bad thing, it's just a little frustrating because it's always like you're feeding the fire for the next thing. You want the next event, you want, and you don't even necessarily even want it just for the money. You love what you do. Yeah. Am I correct here, guys? Can I see a show of hands? You love what you do? Yeah. That means you're willing. So the thing now that I think you need to focus on is to go back to square one. And I teach a couple of these courses now, and I'm excited about what I teach, to reevaluate who you are right now. What do you want? Not what you wanted 10 years ago, because everything just changed. What do you want now, personally, professionally? What, who do you want around you? I mean, you might have to clean house. And I'm gonna say, for a lot of people, that's their family. You got, I'm tired of people going, one of my editors, she's up in, in Canada, she like got threatened by her brother, who's, now you have a restraining order. I'm like, walk away. Walk away. You can't fix these people. And it's not your job. Live your life and, and make a difference in other people's lives. And band together. That's why Masterminds and, and, and my Forbes Riley's inner circle, it's free. Danella, we just crossed 5,000 people in our first year. You know why? Because I built something that I wanted. I was lonely too long. Here's another thing I'm going to ask you guys to do. I'm going to ask you. Ask for help. For a long time, I think I really dealt with imposter syndrome. I had a lot of accolades, but I was afraid to ask for help because I kept thinking people would think that I'm a fake. I know that sounds weird, right? But I've learned a lot of these lessons and now what I'm spending all my time doing is teaching them to ears like yours. And when I'm not teaching them, I'm learning from other ears. I'm listening to other people who've, who've paid prices and, and I, I'm obsessed with, bi obsessed with biographies. There's three right now I highly recommend that you listen to and interesting, they're all men, but Tom Brady's got one out. I didn't know anything about sports. I'm not a sports person. My dad was a computer guy, right? I'm in love with, my, by the way, my first, my ex-husband is a, a Notre Dame football player. I didn't really get it. Joshua is a competitor, but he loves football. Anybody here like football? I didn't, I remember, I didn't get to go to football games when I was growing up. I didn't even know my high, my high school had a football team because I was in the hospital all the time. I'm watching this guy who is skinny, scrawny, and the 199th draft pick become the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, wait a second here. He is the mascot for every awkward, goofy kid who doesn't fit in, and he did it. 
and he's still playing. This is insanity. 21 years. It doesn't even make sense. And so his biography, Man in the Arena, is worth watching because it's very humble. And again, little imposter syndrome. I don't think he even realized who he is. Like, how did I get here? I'm not anything. I'm not built. I'm not fast. I can throw. He can think. Who knew that that was the biggest qualification to win football games, right? Then I watched the whole Michael Jordan series. Oh, my God. I didn't know who Michael Jordan really was. I really wish I had. I wish I'd watched him play live. I didn't really like that. Oh, my gosh. So many lessons to be learned how he showed up when his dad was murdered, how he showed up sick as a dog and won a championship, how he kept his team going, relentless. And you watch the spirit of this man in this documentary, and I'm re-inspired. And then I watched recently American Playboy, the story of Hugh Hefner. I think some of it may or may not be real. And as a woman to interestingly watch Gloria Steinem pretend to be a bunny, you got to remember that. But how he built an empire out of nothing. And then when I talk to people about their brand, their colors, their logo, they're like, why do, we, why do you stress that? I'm like, because a, a little white bunny with one eye is the third most recognizable logo in the world. And so I watched the story of that. I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but it was fascinating to watch the ups and downs and, and it's brilliant. I did notice though that there's not a single, well, I did, there's a new movie out about the, the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus. Also kind of cool to watch. But I'm thinking that we need to find our role models and figure out what is it that they did to get there? Because I think all we've ever seen before social media happened, we saw the tip of their iceberg. I want to be Oprah. No, no, you don't want to be Oprah. Trust me, Oprah grew up on the floor of a, of a house. Oprah's been prejudiced against. Oprah was raped and gave birth to a... No, you don't want to be Oprah. You may want her career, but do you have any idea how she even got that? You can't even get that career now. But you can do better because of YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. There's probably kids with more TikTok views than Oprah ever got in her entire career. How's that possible? So being willing to change, be flexible, and know what you want. And now, Danella, I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're actually getting a, uh, a, a cue from the producers. We're going to be going to break soon. But I, I want to wrap up all that, that you just shared with some of my viewers that are listening to you. I, I want you to really think about what you just saw Forbes do. As a speaker, as a coach, you have a message that you want to get out there. She brought you in with story, made it interesting. And while not selling you on something, she's always sharing who she is, how you can get connected to her. You know, it wasn't a pitch for you to buy a product, but the pitch is always there for you to sell you. And you do that through story. You do that by being interesting. And when you go back and listen to this, which I recommend everyone go back and listen to that monologue, which was brilliant. Listen to some of the sound bites. Listen to the way that she tells the story. Forbes, you are a masterpiece in action. And at this point, it just comes so naturally to you. But I love that you're actually teaching what you just did on a regular basis, because these are the kind of skills that speakers and business owners need to know in this day and age. And you have mastered this skill because you've lived this life. And I, I'm so proud of you to know you. And I love to watch you in action. Well, and thank you. And I don't think we're going to take a break. I'll tell you what. I woke up 18 or, nine, 18 or 20 years ago and said, I want to be a speaker. I watched a couple of big speakers. I'd watched, I think it was Laura Bush, Kevin O'Leary, uh, Terry 
Bradshaw and a couple of others on this big speaking tour. And it looked really fun. And I've always watched speeches, but before YouTube, you couldn't access any of them. And I said, I want to do this. And the universe is funny. When you say you want to do something, how it conspires to help you. And I met a man named Chris Howard, who is very well respected in the speaking industry. And he took me to a private dinner, him, myself, and a guy that I'd never heard of called Les Brown. Les and I became very close friends because we were the only three of us in the room. And actually, I made him spin gym. I'll show you my fitness product in a second if I can. Wait, I think I have one right here. I've got one here, Forbes. And if you don't have one, you need one. Let me tell you something. It's for the investment. It's the best thing in the world. If you're stuck on a Zoom call, every hour I do this, that's one reason I have a good body. But I'll tell you, because it just burns calories anyway. So this is my spin gym. I'll show you more about that in a minute. But so less, and I watched, then I started to follow less and watch him. And man, there's nobody better on a stage. There is no one better. The bravado, the way he does it, the way he laughs. And I would study it and dissect it and study. And I put a lot of hours in to watch him. And then I became obsessed with speakers and became obsessed with TED Talks. And I dissected them because I have, I live by three words, research, strategy, and leverage. Those will take you through anything you want. And I'll tell you what, that first couple of speeches was pretty scary. And I did what I preach. I did local speeches. I would stand, you know, in the opening of a grocery store. I said, you want me to, I'll be happy to speak there until I figured out what worked for me and then what continued to work for me. And there's a speech that I gave, I think called, if you want to go on YouTube, it's called Forbes Riley and 4P. And I was right before less. And I realized that nobody was doing what I wanted to be doing. So I said, I'm just going to do this. And it was wildly heart-centric. And I would pull people up from the audience yeah. and in real time transform their lives while the audience was watching. Something magical happened. And luckily somebody videotaped that speech. And the funny thing about that, you know, and I, 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 hope, I wish this for everybody, when you just discover your purpose like as it's happening, Les Brown was following me. And as I got up and I said, hey guys, I'm gonna be, I'll answer questions outside. The entire audience stood up and started to make their way to the door. I ran to the stage and I said, whoa, no, 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 sit, sit down. You think I'm good, you're gonna miss the best speaker. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go sit backstage and listen to my mentor. And then when that's done, I'll stay as long as you guys need me to. Don't ever say that. When I got out there after Les's speech, the line was down the block and around the corner. And for three and a half hours in high heels, I answered questions and hugged people. They had to wheel me out of in a wheelchair the next day because I was on like my high heels. That's the biggest problem of being a female speaker. But it, it was like, wait a second, could I actually do this? And then I got Grant Cardone to let me be on his stage in front of 10,000 people. He'll never let another woman just speak. He's got his wife and, and when she gets on there, she will interview people. But it's a funny thing. I, I, I just, I, how I created that. And I created that through the power of the pitch. I put a link in here. Um, pitch Secrets Masterclass is just, is me. Two hours on Sunday. It's $19. And there's no obligation. I see who's on the screen. I interact with you. I talk to you. I don't have a lot of people. I don't ever. Here's the thing I also did, Danella. And, you know, hopefully this defies everything in our industry. I have never bought a Facebook ad for this training. I started it March, 2020, 9,000 people have attended. No ads, you know how I did it? I call it OPP, other people's platforms. I go to summits, I speak on stages like Danella is teaching. I'm on Clubhouse, I do whatever. I then back channel people and create conversations. And I don't need that many people to show up. I love doing it, I've recorded, I've learned, I learned what I do. And it's been brilliant. I'd love you guys to come because I'll know that I saw you here, we can reference that and take it from there. But it's, 
wow, you built a company that grossed $1.2 million with no Facebook ads? Because you know, there's two ways to make money, how much you make and how much you don't spend. <laughs> we did really good. Now, the last part of this puzzle, and Danelle, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this publicly. My daughter, who started network marketing at 12, built Joe Theismann's website for $5,000 when she was 13. Crazy, right? She and I built this coaching company together. She is the CEO of my company and she technically grossed the $1.2 million during COVID, her first year, partly out of high school. No college. You know why no college? You're not old enough to be in college. Oh, 18 years old? So I want to do, and raise your hand if this is a good idea, I want to do a mother-daughter summit. Done. Now, here's the funny thing. I own a television studio, and so we do trainings of live trainings of 30 to 50 people. That's it. I've never done my own big stage summit because, Danelle, I have a weird fear that no one will show up. And how you run it. And I've watched people crash and burn doing all these big things, biting off more than they can chew. So I'm going to put it out here. Who here has a daughter, by the way? Well, there you go. Interesting. Who here has ever been a godmother to a daughter or an aunt to a daughter? You don't have to technically have a daughter to be at the mother-daughter summit. Yeah. You got a girl that you want to bring that you think you need to up-level or be a mentor to. That's the cool thing about this. Remember, so I'm all about inclusion in whatever way. Think about it. This could be really cool. I'm, we're going to run out of time in a minute, Danella, so I'm going to go back to you. So for you've touched on a lot of uh, the questions that I wanted to ask you and share with our community here today. Um, you know, it is so easy today. And and one thing that I would say, and, and you may agree with this, you know, that which is easy to do is also that which is easy not to do. You really had to forge the way and have that dream and that goal ahead of you. Today, you can create your own platform so easily on social media, on Clubhouse, uh, here on Facebook Live. I mean, we literally created a stage here. There's some folks on Facebook watching us now. We're going to share this. We've created a stage to share our message and share what our thoughts are today. So for those of you that have a message out there that you're a newer speaker, we were just talking about this in the Ask Everything Hour, you know, before this. Look at those people that are higher up on the mountain than you. Look at people like Forbes who have blazed a trail. And rather than that being what discourages you, thinking I can't do that, use that as a marker on the trail. This can be done. You can create opportunities today. And, and I do want to also um, just put an exclamation point on one of the points that Forbes mentioned about making money with your message. I have a saying, messages without monetization go mute. You cannot sustain it. You deserve money for your expertise, for your message, but learning how to pitch, learning who to share it with, learning how to sell it, how to monetize it is your job as a speaker on the speaker's journey if you want to make impact and you want to make profit. So Forbes, I've had an amazing time with you here today. Um, you have answered questions I didn't even know to ask. You've told amazing stories. I know everyone in my community is shaking their heads. They've thoroughly enjoyed this time with you. Any parting words that you want to share with my speakers need to speak community? Well, I will tell you, I do need to confirm is my radio show, because we didn't take any breaks. Are we at the end of our hour? So, um, Andrew, do you want to chime in for a quick second? 
or I may, he may have politely ended my radio show. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I know he's still here, though. I still see his name. Um, you know, what I would love to do, actually, with everybody here is I would love to take a couple of minutes more. I do teach a class at four, but I would like to get a little bit of feedback or questions because that's the best thing I think I can do for you. If you have a question, a concern, a curiosity, let me be in real time and we'll end our show and we end our show. So if you're listening to my radio, you guys, I'll see you guys next week. This was very exciting. I may do more of this because it was really cool. But I think for the first time I got interviewed. <laughs> Mo Cooper, I saw you shaking your head a lot. Talk to me. Thank you so much. This was so more than I expected. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, I just did a Facebook Live this morning about how when we're born, we come off the conveyor belt, we arrive on this planet, and we're like, I'm here, I'm new, and then it's like, bam, you're white, bam, you're Irish, bam, you're Catholic, and it's like, you lose your identity so quickly because of all the things that have been thrust upon you, so hearing you tell your story about being the ugly little duckling, you know, as a, you know, as a little girl with the broken nose, and... I feel like so many people can relate to that in some capacity. So what was it that got you past that? I mean, you got your nose fixed, but you had all of the messages in you. So what was it that got you? It was, I mean, sometimes it's not enough to fix your nose. Like, what did you do? It's so weird that you just said what you did because I said the exact same thing in the car to myself this morning. I said, we we have an interesting issue. I, I, I do a training called Breakthrough of that. I help people get through traumatic past because it's a passion of mine. And I said, mm-hmm. it's so unfortunate that, who, and people say, well, who, who is your, your class right for? I'm like, anybody who had a mother and father. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. Who loved yeah. them too much, didn't love them enough, gave them up for adoption, was absent, doesn't matter what they were. You were born. And you just said it so eloquently that you came off the conveyor belt and all of a sudden you slapped, you're this religion, you're that, you're this, you're your name. About. And it's funny because I didn't accept any of those things. Certainly all got, I had my name I didn't like. My middle name was my mother's maiden name because that was the culture I was raised in. My name growing up could have been before my grandmother changed it, being Francine Kadish Feinstein. Oy, my God, you know, that's like a law firm. <laughs> she changed that because she couldn't get my uncle into engineering school, so my dad's last name became Forbes. And when I was in my 30s, I went to an image consultant who said, Francine's a very old kind of name. I said, it's funny you should say that. And I became Forbes and Riley was my married name. Changing my name was one of the coolest things I ever did because it took off the label of what I was slapped with. I often say, do you think Angelina Jolie would be as sexy with a name like Esther Birnbaum? I feel sorry for Esther Birnbaum. I'm no, no, but, but that's what they did in Hollywood. They took Norma Jean Baker, re-slapped her, and called her Marilyn Monroe because there's a, a rhythm to it. So you creating who you are is, I think, your first responsibility. Yeah. And to decide that who you are is enough mm. because you are not perfect. And you never will be. One of my clients is four foot nine. No, sorry, three foot nine. She wishes she was four foot nine. She will always be a little person. She freaking hates other little people. She's like, I don't know, little people. At some point, my coaching for her, because she used to date regular, I don't want to call them normal, just taller guys, is that I said, you have to be really mindful of this, but taller guys look at you like a doll. You're this, you're, she's fit, she's muscular, she's pretty. But you're adult, you always will be to a normal, unless you find some guy who has whatever. But people who go through life at your height see the world differently. Mm-hmm. And there's a commonality to that. Yeah. That's your vision of the world. My ex was six foot six. He has his own vision of the world. He was head and shoulder. You know, Joshua goes through the world every day and someone comments on his body. If you don't like that, you need to own who you are or change it. 
You can change a lot of things about yourself. You changing my nose seemed to change my perception of myself. It changed other people's perception. In other cultures, it would have been stupid. The bigger the better. In my in my culture, I grew up watching the Brady Bunch. If you didn't have blonde hair that parted down the middle, my hair went out like a triangle. That was I was like. No one, I'm like, I used to straighten my hair every day. So why did I do that? Because I wanted to fit into someone else's mold. One day I discovered there's no, I look around the room. None of you look like anyone else. Which one is prettier than the other? And shame on us, ironically, for beauty pageants. Unlike men who do teams, football, baseball, their team, we go, she's prettier than her. And then we put each other in a bathing suit. Really? Whose thighs are perfect? So we've done a lot of this stuff to ourselves and we bought into it. And if you, I will say the true happiness, one, finishing is happiness. Finishing your book, finishing your course, finishing anything, finishing is happiness. But self-love and acceptance is all that there ever really is to be happy. So this is who I am. These are the parts that I got given. And I'm going to, I'm going to make this matter. And by the way, I taught this lesson. Oh, shit, I'm going to cry again. There's a young girl that I met in the park doing my spin gym. Funny how this thing is. I met my beautiful future husband and one of the best amazing girls in my life because of my fitness product. She's got cerebral palsy. I met her when she was about eight, nine years old. My daughter was also small. And we started spin gymming with each other. And I videotaped it. You can find the video if you type in spin gym and Christine in the YouTube. This little girl has nothing. Her dad threw her away. Her mom works so hard just to keep them, small, tiny little house, just keep them above water. She'll never get out of a chair to go to the bathroom on her own. Why was she smiling? She was smiling so much that she changed my entire life. Because I found myself saying, you know, the worst day of my life is better than the very best day of her life ever. And Christine just smiles. And she spent, and she spent an hour getting, she's like, I'm going to get this thing in her hands. Didn't matter. And I spent a lot of time with her. We got a, she graduated high, high school, valedictorian. She called me one Sunday on a FaceTime and she's just screaming on the phone. She's like, I miss wheelchair 2019. I'm going to the nationals and I owe it to you. Now she doesn't owe it to me. She owes it to us in that we discovered this sense of camaraderie. And she let me know. She said one day, you're the most successful person I know. And I said, is it because I'm on TV and I do this? She said, no. She said, you're one of the most successful people I know because you rock a pair of high heels walking in a skirt across the stage and I never will. And there's not a day that goes by when I get the opportunity to walk on a stage or be on a platform like this that I don't start with a tremendous sense of gratitude and love, just insane love, that anybody listening to me now is going to go, you know what, I'm going to play a bigger game. Because if that chick can do it, fuck, so can I, right? And I really, really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I look at people differently. I mean, I'm very colorblind. I always have been. I raised a black kid from South Central. Seriously, my mother, a Jewish mother, thought I, might, I thought I wanted to disown me. I'm like, okay, I don't know where you where you got your philosophies. Um, I just got honored by my college in 1977. I put the first black and white acting groups together. Massive controversy, but I stood in this place of equality. Of, of unity, of whatever it is I stood in. But it wasn't until recently, Den- and meeting people like Danella, that I personally had enough courage to get on a stage or Clubhouse or Facebook, a platform even. I, I knew who I was all along, but no one ever heard of me. Can you imagine if social media was back then? So find out who you are. Embrace your differences. Mm. 
Embrace that you come from whatever country you come from. Embrace the language that you don't speak very well. Embrace a lot of things that you don't think other people, and then they're going to hate you. Here's the funny thing too. It doesn't matter who you are. People hate you. They find all kinds of reasons. This is the most bizarre thing. So you got to forget about that. Russell Brunson grabbed me and said, the more haters you have, the more successful you are. And I thought, that crushed my little heart. I'm like, I don't want anyone to hate me. But I got over it. So you stand in your sense of difference. Mm. You are older. You are this. You are that. And look in the mirror and say, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. And you got to say, I love me. I got to love you. It's the you. I love you. I love you for the little wrinkles around your eyes. I love you for the whatever doesn't matter. And then enjoy your life because I don't know if you get another one, but make the most out of this one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Actually, on my Facebook page, I, have a, a, I wrote a poem, and it's called The Love of My Life. And people always think I'm, I'm gay, which I'm not, because I'm talking about this woman I'm in love with. And at the end of the day, the love of my life is me. And that's when, and it always makes me cry. I, my own writing makes me cry. <laughs> but it's, oh. that was a turning point for me in my life where I didn't have to worry about other people loving me. I only focused on loving myself. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, there's a little caveat to that too, because I lived with somebody who was, who was narcissistic, who put me down every day. And I stood up every day in spite of the fact that I felt like shit every day because that's what he would tell me. So the relationship thing, especially as a woman, watch out, be careful. Hey, really quick, can I introduce Dr. Angelica? She's a guest of mine. I'm in her book. It's coming out on Friday. It's about women. Dr. B, I think you've got two minutes. Say hi to Daniela and hold up our book and just go for it. Yeah. Hey, Daniela. How are you? Great meeting you. And thank you, Forbes. I just want to say that I don't have a book because it's ready to be released this Friday. So if you can join us, we're going to launch the book Friday. We're going to interview amazing people. And I just want to say that Forbes is the real deal. I mean, she speaks from the heart and it's and and shows up for us. She said yes and being in, in this book. It's called Visionary uh, Women Leaders, Discovering Your Greatness Within. Most of the time, we... Um, we kind of shrink ourselves to so hang on one second. We have mm-hmm. one minute to close on my radio show. So the book is, ta- is called visionary women leaders. Uh, we're doing a thing on Friday on your Facebook live. You'll f- see if you guys who are listening on radio want to know more about it. Visionary women leaders. I want to thank all my listeners around the world. I want to thank my guys in, in Arizona. Love you guys. Um, Angelica, we still have this group and we're broadcasting live on Facebook to Danella. So the audience will still be pretty wide. Um, just want to say everyone, thank you very much. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness on my radio show. In the last decade that I've done this show, I've never said any of the things that I said today. So Danella, thank you for bringing that out in me. I think my audience needed to hear it. I think I needed to say it. And I am grateful to you and your mastermind. I will Always see grateful again. to you, Forbes. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys again next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.